0: Welcome back to Foundational Thoughts, the podcast of the Missouri Baptist Foundation, and we're in part four of a series with Rob Phillips, who is our resident apologetics expert, and we've been talking over the last three sessions about what apologetics is, and the importance of it, and how to begin to practice that after you've done some study and preparation, because it will take that And what we're trying to do is to give a rational defense of the truth. Now, Rob, I don't know if you're discovering this or not, but I think that there's a lot of people out there who are not really thinking that there really is any truth, and it makes it a little difficult, at least makes us change our strategies. Are you finding that that people are questioning even truth today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things you will hear is, well, that's your truth, Mm. and I have my truth and so stop imposing your truth on me, because I'm happy with my truth, and mm. I'm okay if you're happy with your truth. Well, wow. there's the problem with that, truth is, is, is quite uh, singular and solitary. There aren't two uh, truths. There has to be the truth, and something that's not the truth is false. So how do you, in a respectful way, uh, address that with somebody who's very relativistic. That yeah. That is a real challenge.
0: I, I think it is, and, and I always, tr- and I probably get in trouble a lot, but pick fun at people who say, well, there is no absolute truth, and I go, well, You've just made an absolute truth statement, and so I don't know if I should agree with you or not, because you've just said that there's absolutely no absolute truth. And so we don't live like that in, in the real world. I mean, we don't just try to walk through walls and go, well, that wall's not there, and that's just your truth, there's a wall. But for some reason, when it comes to these kinds of matters... We abandon all of common sense realism. I think is called technically in one area of apologetics. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we abandon that? In 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 real life, we don't. We don't step out in front of a truck because we know there's a truck there, and I know that I exist, the truck exists, and I know what's going to happen. Why is it that when we switch to these kind of conver- these kind of things about philosophy and religion and the truth of Christ, why do we jump there? Do you think? Yeah, that is really
1: an interesting. Dichotomy, because you're right. We don't we don't have our own truth when it comes to gravity.
0: <laughs> we don't, do we?
1: <laughs> but when it comes to philosophical or religious matters, we do. And, and is that I, because we don't think it's real? I, it, it either maybe we don't think it's real, or it's uh, it's a combination of cultural influences, uh, educational influence, family influence. Uh, a lot of times, you will discover that people believe what they believe, not because they've really thought it through carefully, but because this has been a comfortable place for them mm. to be. I'm okay with Jesus, they might say. He was a great teacher. He was a, he was a great philosopher. He was a compassionate guy, and he loved everybody, and I think that's great. But then you tell me he came to deal with this sin issue thing, and that if I don't believe in him, I'm I'm going to spend eternity apart from him in hell? I, I don't like that, right. so I'm going to stay with the comfortable Jesus, the mm-hmm. one who's the nice guy, right. who turned water into wine, and, and that sort of thing, and and that I'm fine with that. Mm. Uh, and so I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of the influences of the culture and the educational system and personal experience and all of that, and we find a place that we're comfortable, but the gospel makes us very uncomfortable, and it's supposed to. It's Mm -hmm. supposed to initially confront us with what a wreck we are, what sinful wrecks we are, but that God didn't leave us there. He did something about it. Jesus left the glory of heaven and came to earth and lived among us and faced everything that we face, yet conquered it through a sinless life, died on the cross and rose from the dead. So um, that is a, a difficult truth to deal with for someone who really
0: is comfortable in their particular belief system. And we're basing what we believe on what the scriptures teach about Jesus. And and that's always a challenge, I think, because we don't have a lot of the of historical evidence for Jesus necessarily about what he did with his time and how he spent his time. So you really can't know Jesus without understanding that Jesus is portrayed and is taught from the Bible. And if you reject what the Bible says about Jesus, then you're just creating your own fictional story of a character that could be anybody. It could be the Smurfs. It could be uh, the, the, the Knights of the Round Table. You can just come up with anything that you want to. And so what do we do, and how do we respond to the person who wants to do that, who wants to ignore what the Scriptures say about Jesus, and they've concocted a Jesus in their own mind that doesn't really exist? How how do you begin to do that process with somebody? Yeah, I think
1: sometimes you have to start by asking good questions. If if they have a a Jesus that they love and follow who's different from the Jesus of Scripture, uh, without being disrespectful, we could say, well, tell me more. How how is it you came to the conclusion that Jesus was only a good prophet or was only a good man? Uh, how did you how did you come to that? Where, what have you read? What have you studied? What have you heard? And sometimes that will reveal a background that that shows they were they were never grounded in the Christian faith. So mm-hmm. sometimes asking good questions like that, um, also asking them. Uh, what do you think about the biblical accounts of Jesus? You know, where We call Christianity biblical and historical Christianity mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Christianity is rooted in history. Right. There was a real person named Jesus. There were That's eyewitnesses right. and all of
0: that. It's not, this happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The, the gospel yeah. writers say, when this guy was king or when this guy was ruling in that particular city all these reference right. points to a real world, not just some fictional world.
1: So we can ask them then, you know, what? what's your opinion about that? Have you read the Bible? Have you read those accounts? Mm-hmm. Um, why, why would you read those and then come to a different conclusion? Help me understand there. And I think the more we can encourage people to pick up the Bible and mm-hmm. actually read even just the Gospel accounts, if you just get them to read the Gospel of John, mm-hmm. which... answers the question who Jesus really was and is and always will be. Um, God works wonders through his word, and sometimes just encouraging them to read the Bible. Uh, Many people come to faith in Christ with hardly any other influence than just opening up God's word. So asking good questions and getting them to consider the historical reliability of the scriptures may be a good way to start.
0: That's a great point. I don't think I've I've really thought about that in my discussions with people because I, I tend to choose you said there's kind of three options in your approach to to um to apologetics. One you've got the scripture and let's start with the scripture and then you've got the philosophical, and then you've got kind of a scientific evidentialism, if you right. will, and, and I know that uh, there's a lot of organizations that are focused on each one of those, and then some combine those. I've always probably spent too much time in the philosophical um, because in much of my generation, the generations that come that f- that I that come after me, I don't think necessarily uh, expect the Scriptures to be, that uh, they don't accept the Scriptures to be the authority over their lives. I think there was a time in American culture, well, we believe the Bible, we don't know what it says, but we believe the Bible. And uh, that I think that has transitioned a little bit, but to encourage people to go, well, why don't you take a look at least at the biblical accounts of who Jesus is, and then let's talk about that as you're exploring who Jesus is, because one of the things I've always tried to do on that person who's asking me question questions is to ask them questions about their worldview. We have a tendency to think as Christians that we're just here to defend our worldview and we are, and we can, but we don't need to just uh, to acquiesce to whoever's asking us has a preferred or a systematic or coherent, or consistent system that corresponds to reality. Mm-hmm. We have opportunity to speak into them and in asking questions. What is what's your approach there? Yeah, and you
1: raise a good point about worldview, because a person's worldview um, will determine a lot of their beliefs and practices. Mm-hmm. And so if you're talking to someone who has a Far Eastern worldview, they will believe there is sort of this impersonal God, Mm. that God is everything and everything is God, Mm. and my goal in life is to break out of the cycle of life, death, and rebirth and sort of lose my identity and meld back into the God that I am. Mm. Well, that's totally different from someone like a, a Muslim who has a theistic worldview, Mm -hmm. who believes there's one God and only one God, but this God is impersonal, unknowable, unapproachable. You can't know him, you can only know his will. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So two different worldviews. One's a theistic worldview, and the other is a Far Eastern worldview, and their beliefs that come out of those worldviews are totally different. So sometimes you have to share your, your faith in the context of where a person is coming from, mm-hmm. and if you don't know where they're coming from, it's hard to get started.
0: And we're going to be exposed to more and more of that. I grew up in the Bible Belt in, in, in what I call L.A., Lower Arkansas, <laughs> uh, and there were not many people with an Eastern mindset or a, even a Middle Eastern mindset. It was all of us are kind of either Christians in some way, short form, or fashion, and uh, a Judeo-Christian background. So it can be kind of intimidating to have a person of color or a person uh, of a different completely background to to engage them. It's almost intimidating and scary for sometimes for people. So that's really important to understand those things. And we've kind of devolved, it seems like, in America for the white Anglos and other Anglos um, in our culture uh, of this, well, God's my best friend, and he's going to take care of me, and he loves me, and everything's going to be okay. It's... It's, is it is it more challenging than it's ever been to be an apologist? Do you think? I think it
1: uh, it certainly is a difficult time. Okay. And the idea that you just raised about God really being made in my image—that mm-hmm. uh, you know, if if God gives me a a good wife and a good family and a, a nice car and a nice home and a and a good job, well, that's kind of what God is sup- supposed to mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you do when? God allows your baby Mm -hmm. to die Uh, when your wife is diagnosed with cancer, when you lose your job, when you're in bankruptcy and you're a professing Christian, you end up with questions there about God that really aren't fair or biblical because Mm -hmm. you've cast God in your image. It's Mm -hmm. God is a means to an end when God is supposed to be the end himself. Mm -hmm. And so if your beliefs are based on your circumstances, you're going to end up disappointed at some point. Mm -hmm. But if they're grounded in scripture, in the the nature and character of of a sovereign uh, God, then your circumstances will be seen in the context of all of that. So I think that's one of the things that makes it difficult in today's culture.
0: Yeah, and and that's what I love, what you've emphasized. We're not trying to win a debate. We're not trying to make somebody look foolish. We're not trying to smack them down verbally or with our knowledge, uh, if we have any. We really are trying to be compassionate, and with the compassion of Christ, reach out to another person. So these are, and I'm guessing that you would say this, that if you get into a conversation that you don't know the answer to, uh, the goal is always to continue the relationship and the friendship for you to say, I'm not sure about that. That's a great question. I can go look it up. That's a totally acceptable answer in apologetics, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And uh, I probably use that answer an awful (laughs) lot as, you know what? I don't know. But let me go let me go study that some more, and why don't you do the same, and we'll get back together and talk about that. So that's not a
0: failure, that's not a defeat, that's not a loss. There's
1: no shame in saying, I don't know, particularly if it's an honest answer, that's (laughs) your your best answer, is to say that, that I don't know.
0: Well, you know, I've kind of, in my middle age, have kind of turned to soccer as my favorite sport, and I grew up in a time that you either win or you lose. There's no draw on that, but in soccer, if you win, you get three points if you lose, you get zero points, but if it's a draw, you get one point, and you get to keep playing. And so uh, I think that we as Americans and Christians are going to have to realize, hey, it may not be a win win or a loss in that conversation with that person. It may be, hey, let's keep talking about this topic, and that's never a loss, especially as you say, well, let's both look into the Bible, or let's look into this to try to discover it.
1: Well, there's a great little book written by Gregory Kokel. K-O-U-K-L, Gregory Kokel, who's an apologist, and he wrote a book called Tactics, Mm. How to Share Our Faith with Others. He tells a little story in there, and he says, when I have an initial conversation with somebody who's an unbeliever, he said, I don't expect that they're automatically going to drop to their knees and trust in Christ. Mm. He Mm. said, but my goal is to put A stone in their shoe. Mm. And he said, That is, I want to leave them at the end of that conversation with a nugget of biblical truth. If they're wrestling with who Jesus really is, maybe it's a nugget of the deity of Christ. If they're wrestling with eternal life, the idea of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, but something that when they go away, it'll be like I put a stone in their shoe Mm. and it will bother them to an extent, over a period of time to where they're going to come back and ask more, or they're going to open their Bible, or they're going to seek other counsel and do the truth. So I think that's a really Mm -hmm. good lesson for us, is so often in our conversations, the other person doesn't make a commitment to Christ. But if we can have them go away with a nugget of biblical truth... Mm -hmm. then I think we've done a good job of starting that conversation. Wow,
0: what a great way to, to redefine the win. Instead of hitting him in the head with the rock, let's just put one in their shoe. <laughs> uh, and, and that's going to take some confidence and belief that God is, is in charge of all things and that God has heard the conversation because we've also got to realize, I think, and you do this very well, but the recognition that God is at work in that other person. And my job is to faithfully represent God let that person wrestle with God. Not necessarily wrestle with me, because you might be able to defeat wrestling with me. But if God wants to wrestle with you, you don't win that one very often. And so we need to keep that conversation going. And I want to keep this conversation going. And we're going to have Rob back uh, on multiple occasions. We will probably spend a lot of time together in our podcast, and we'll pick out some particular topics. In fact, we'll maybe try to find some questions from you. Maybe you as a listener have some questions. and want to send those in either to Rob, or we'll sit down and go through some of these questions that people have in order to answer them. Because I think that we have a resource here in Rob Phillips, uh, not just in Missouri Baptist life, but we're thankful that he's in Missouri Baptist life, but for every Christian uh, to have a resource like this, uh, a great resource that is the Apologist Toolkit, which is available uh, for you if you would go on to mobaptist.org and look up, uh, the, use the term apology or apologetics, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> apologetics or apology, and find some of those resources. Rob, as we wrap up this series, what do you have a final word for us or a final encouragement for us as we think about these these ideas that we've talked about over these last several episodes?
1: Yeah, I think, be, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm not a scholar. I don't have a seminary degree. I don't know Hebrew and Greek. I'm just an ordinary guy who loves the Word of God and loves the Lord. And so I want to be an encouragement to everybody. Peter says we're all supposed to be ready to defend the faith with gentleness and respect. So wherever you are in your degree of maturity with your Christian walk, it's never too late to start that conversation with someone. And uh, understanding that God God is sovereign, he's in control. And if we can be respectful of the person and share that nugget of truth, whatever God has laid on our heart, whatever God has given us, and then trust the Lord to go with that, we haven't We haven't lost and we haven't drawn. Uh, God God always wins in the end.
0: Rob, thanks so much for spending your time with us today at the podcast, uh, Foundational Thoughts. Thank you for your service. Again, if you want to reach him, that would be mobaptist.org, Apologetics. Thanks again, Rob, for being with us.